So we're continuing our studies in Gospel of John. And today we are going to conclude our study on chapter 7, Lord willing. The sermon text today is John 7, verse 40 to 52, end of the chapter. Uh, But at the same time, I want to uh, bring the focus on not just today's text, but draw lesson from the entire chapter 7, how Jesus is revealed. This is an important chapter, once again. Um, And as an introduction, uh, this thought is is helpful. One of the benefits of studying the Gospel of John is that we are encountering the real Jesus of the first uh, first-hand witnesses of Jesus. And because of John, Apostle John describes Jesus so in such a vivid way, a lot of common misconceptions are revealed. And there are at least four in light of the Gospel of John. So let's look at the first one. The first misconception is Jesus was a good moral teacher. But in light of the gospel, no. If Jesus claimed to be God, and if his claim claims were not true, he was a liar or lunatic. One thing he cannot be, he could not have been a good moral teacher. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In various many passages in Gospel of John, it is clear that Jesus claimed to be God. Another passage, I'm going to bring it up later. Jews were so disturbed by his claim to be God that they pick up the stone and about to stone him. And all this points to this uh, in a way noble idea but in a very erroneous idea of who Jesus really is. If you grab any person in the street in, in the States, Americans will typically say something nice about Jesus but at the same time know about Jesus being God, many would not adhere to that. And there were agnostics who who would say things like that. And, and one of the agnostics who became a follower of Jesus by the name of C.S. Lewis, so he made a clear, profound point on this. And I, I know I shared this before. Allow me to share this quote again. C.S. Lewis writes, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. 
he would either be a lunatic on a level of, a, of the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either he's, this man was and is the son of God, or else a, a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for, for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up, come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. This is rather profound point. And, and my son uh, Silas and I read this book, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, and he makes this point so, so profoundly, and it is so true. Let's go to misconception number two. Jesus was a social political revolutionary. One of the common misconceptions about today's the young generation, especially young generation, postmodern generation, would love to have this kind of Jesus that is changes the social structure and political regimes and and really become a revolutionary. But if you look at Gospel of John, any other Gospels also, also too. But for example, John 6, 15, if you remember after the feeding of the 5,000, people were trying to make him a king, political king. And Jesus slipped away to a mountain alone. Another, chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, when he was encountered by the questions, integration, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus did not seek external revolution. His ultimate revolution and purpose was to seek inside out spiritual revolution in sinners. Common misconception number three. Jesus made everyone feel good and comfortable. Oh, this is the picture of even Hollywood movies. The handsome, gentle-looking Jesus, always soft-spoken, and he will never raise voice, and never controversial. But and yet, having studied John chapter 1 through 7, we have seen different kind of Jesus. Even chapter 7, uh, chapter 6, uh, 61, people are so troubled by Jesus' teaching, and they were saying, who can take this kind of hard saying? And not necessarily so much that it is intellectually hard to understand, but it's hard to swallow. Yes, Jesus spoke truth that were controversial, and sometimes offensive to some people, yet his teachings were full of truth and authority. 
common misconception number four and the final misconception we'll uh, think about as an introduction is this. Jesus unified everyone together harmoniously. Yes, it is true. There is no Jews or Greeks and barbarians and intellectuals or man and woman, male or woman, or female, all are unified in Christ as far as the believers are concerned. But other than that, everywhere Jesus went, Jesus was not a unifier. And even today's passage, the title that we could give is Jesus the Divider. His identity was out of this world. He, they could not categorize him in certain way. So because of that, there were divisions in, among the people. And in, in that light, let's go into today's text, John 7, starting with the verse 40. When they, ha- and when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is a prophet. Others say, said, this is a Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. So there are two divisions in this section of the passage. Number one, some said he was the prophet. The prophet that Moses foretold and prophesied. There will be a future prophet coming just like me. And he will do such and such. And they were waiting for him. And Jesus, not only feeding the 5,000 and saying, I am the bread. And then just... Right before this passage, Jesus shouted out, cried out, if anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to drink from me. If you remember the desert journey, wilderness journey of Israelites of 40 years, manna and the water from the rock, That was the symbolic things of God's provision. And what Moses was providing, God was providing through Moses, actually. So when they saw this and Jesus is preaching about living water, uh, rivers of living water coming in in our hearts, and they automatically said, he must be the prophet. And others were obviously objected. And some said, the second part, said he was the Christ. Yes, Jesus was the Christ. And yes, Jesus was the prophet. And that they couldn't put together two. Why? Because their frame of mind was still mere men. 
And then Christ, in, in the, even in this sense, the one, of, one of the ways that people often do, and throw things in the debate. And not because they really truly believe Jesus is the Messiah. Possibility, he could be that. And there are strong objections. Strong objections are based on scripture. Wrongly understood. Basically, isn't, supposed, isn't Christ supposed to come from uh, as an offspring of David, son of David? And David's town is Bethlehem. But this guy is from Galilee, Nazareth. But they didn't bother to find out Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem and grew up in Galilee in Nazareth. And there is the second section that shows another two sides of division. And verse 45 is a hinging point of this text. So we ought to pay attention to, uh, I'm sorry, verse 6, 46. Uh, pay attention to ver- verse 46. Let's read from verse 45. The officers, the, these are temple officers sent by the uh, chief priest and uh, the Pharisees, the temple uh, police officers, basically. Verse 45. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered, them have you also been deceived have any one of the authorities or pharisees believed in him but this crowd does not know that does not know the law is accursed nicodemus who had gone to him before and who was one of them said to them does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning that what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. <clears throat> the first of all, the temple officers who sent to arrest Jesus came back empty-handed and they said no one ever spoke like this man in other words this man was such a unique person with authority we couldn't lay our hands on him they're not making any claims about him but they're basically saying this man is Unique. We've never seen anyone speaking like this. The worst of it all, the four types of uh, divisions, groups, were the Pharisees. Pharisees denied everything that the crowd said about Jesus. And mainly due to their hardened hearts and pride. And notice that Verse 49 is the epitome of their their pride and their their self-righteousness, their holier-than-thou attitude. They're saying, this crowd that does not know the law, 
is a, a curse. They're so ignorant, and they're damned because of their ignorance. But in actuality, when Jesus returns at the judgment seat of Jesus, they will stand and answer Jesus. Integration will happen there, and they will be judged by their own words by our Lord Jesus. To say all this, and today's passage reveals something very, very clear. The uniqueness of Jesus is the main reason that caused a division among the people. The remainders of time, what I would like to do is taking a chapter, entire chapter 7, and ask this question. What does chapter 7 reveal about uniqueness of Jesus, which is the central to the division among the people? Here is the first one. The uniqueness of Jesus that caused divisions started with Jesus' claim that Jesus was sent from God. And notice, these words are Jesus' words, carefully chosen to uh, understand. We need to pay attention to each word. Jesus was sent not by God, but from God. What does it imply? It implies Jesus' deity by being with God before he was sent. In other words, he's claiming that he exists before his birth, <coughs> human birth. <clears throat> Verse 28 of chapter 7 and we're going to read verse 28 and 9. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come from my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. And if we add one more thing about misconception of Jesus, I guess more of the gentle, uh, everybody makes, uh, he makes everybody feel comfortable and soft-spoken Jesus. This is one of the examples. The Greek word proclaimed is used on chapter 7 twice. And this is the first time. First time to speak loud enough to the whole people in the temple, the entire temple can hear. In other words, we're looking at shouting Jesus. He's not soft-spoken Jesus. Why he's shouting and proclaiming this? Because they're murmuring about Jesus behind his back. And he heard it. Where did he come from? Well, he could not be the Christ because of this and because of that. And be, having heard that Jesus proclaimed, shouted at the, at the top of his lung, and he said, I come from God, and he sent me. 
And if we go to few chapters, the next chapter, chapter John chapter 8, 58 to 59, this passage, the meaning that Jesus implied is explicitly opened up. Verse 30, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Not before Abraham was, I was. Before Abraham was, I am. In the present tense, that he was always living in the present tense. God only can do that. And the another thing is the word I am, it might be sounding a little peculiar to us, but to the Jews in back in the days, this was obviously crystal clear. The name of Yahweh God, the God's name that the Lord gave to Moses at the burning bush. Who do I say your name is? Tell them I am that I am. So Jesus intentionally used the word I am. Listen to what happened the verse after, verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him because it was a blasphemy, because he was claiming to be God. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. What does this imply? The uniqueness of Jesus about this claim is that prophets were sent by God, but Jesus was much more than a prophet. He was with God and he was God, as John 1.1 stated already. He also claimed I am as his name. Jesus is unique in that he was the incarnate deity. He was truly God and truly man. Not 50% God and 50% man, but truly and fully God and truly and fully man. And therefore, Jesus became, because of this reason, either stumbling stone to those who do not believe him, to those who are looking for their own paradigm and their scheme of thoughts of what the prophet and what the spiritual leader ought to be. The Jewish people are still going through this stumbling right now as we speak. And Romans 9 verse 32-33 says that. On the other hand, to some Jesus became the cornerstone to all those who believe in him for their salvation. Cornerstone is the main central stone before you build any pillars. The most important stone for the building stability. In other words, a foundation. Jesus became foundation of all, all those who are being saved by his grace. And Luke chapter 20, verse 17 and 18 depicts that clearly. The question that I want to ask each one of you, 
as we begin this new year, is Jesus become has Jesus become a stumbling stone or the cornerstone for you? Do you rely on Jesus completely? Or do you want to make Jesus in certain way that he needs to be a little more cooperative with you? The real Jesus is not that comfortable Jesus because he demands us to change rather than changing him to our, our own liking. Second uniqueness that caused divisions is Jesus' words were from God. This is a con- continuation from the first uh, uniqueness. As Jesus was sent from God, his words were also from God, which meant his words had the authority of God. Look at verse 17 of chapter 6. I mean, chapter 7, 16 and 17. So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. As Jesus claimed, his oneness with God. Jesus also taught nothing unless it came from God. To dwell on that a little bit. Jesus was not a mere good teacher. In other words, Jesus' words were the very words of God. And this is a prime example and reason why Jesus' teaching was radically different from the teachings of the scribes and the teachers of the law, who often just quoted the rabbi such and such said, Torah, according to Torah, rabbi's interpretation is this. And that the tradition of elders is this. But Jesus, as if Jesus speaking from God directly, he had authority. And without much knowledge about uh, who he was, even the temple officers noticed that authority in him. And therefore, when Jesus taught, Everyone was faced with the fork of the road. Whether to accept Jesus' words as God's absolute truth or reject his words as garbage. And this day and age, as Pharisees did, there are people who would reject the words of Jesus as garbage. And we understand that. They're hostile. They're they're antagonists. They are the atheists. 
But my focus today, so let's think about us, even our, our Christian church. Do we accept Jesus' words as of God's very word? Do we think of this scripture as supreme authority? Do we submit? Do, do we bend our will to follow the absolute truth that Jesus has spoken through the written word? Or do we reject? Or do we pick and choose cherry picking? Or the refrigerator opening, taking all what, whatever we want from the scripture and close the rest of it when it bothers me. Jesus' words were the very words of God. And which led to this the big picture of the message of Jesus. The third uniqueness is this. Jesus was and is the answer to human needs, the ultimate need we all have. Unlike all others, Jesus offered not a way to answer, but himself as the answer to life. Chapter 7, verse 37 to 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The word cried out here is once again the same word that we have seen in verse 28, proclaimed. Same Greek word, the shout loud enough the whole people in the room can hear. We are, we are here again, shouting Jesus. At the top of his lung, he stood up and shouted out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 14, 6 is a parallel thing as well. Jesus is not teaching the way, and Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The two ways of looking at it. Jesus is like, this is the way and this is the life. No, I am the way. The second way is, I am a way. No, I am the way and the the truth. No one comes to the Father through me. Jesus is the answer. Jesus' uniqueness goes way further than his oneness with God and his authoritative teaching. Jesus himself is the answer 
to our ultimate need. And here's the reason why. God's original design is our happiness in Him. In our happiness, He is glorified and He is pleased. But sin blocked away. The part of cleansing of the river coming, obviously referring to the Holy Spirit dwelling in us as the new covenant. Um, but at that point, Jesus was not glorified yet. The Holy Spirit was not sent yet. So Jesus is proclaiming this good news. But part of the reason why Jesus' central answer is that Jesus shed blood and broken body, the paid penalty will cleanse our sin away once for all. Then we will see the true satisfaction, satisfaction and happiness in God all over again. And this thirst is quenched not just once, but perpetually as the rivers of living water. Do you believe that? Think about all other world religions and the founders of world religions. Every single one of them taught the principles and the way of life. This is the way to God. This is the way to life. And Jesus, on the other hand, come to me. I am the way. I am the true satisfaction. And therefore, Jesus is not a mere means to an end in life. He himself is end and life. <coughs> he quenches our thirst and becomes the reason for living. People of God, there are two ways of following Jesus, to viewing Jesus. <clears throat> One is manageable Jesus. Jesus, I need you to help me to accomplish my goals. Jesus, I will follow you and then you make my children healthy and no one gets severe diseases in our family. Jesus, I need you to help me to get through this, my career goal. <clears throat> our financial status. <coughs> our marriage. <clears throat> but today's text. And third, John 7, the real Jesus come alive. You can't follow manageable Jesus. There is no such a thing, such a person, the manageable Jesus. It's false Jesus, caricature Jesus. The other way is compelling Jesus. Jesus compels us to change our paradigm, our center. 
Jesus, I thought I was looking for you and searching for you so that you could help me find my true affection. I realized you are the true satisfaction. You are most treasure joy in my life. There is no such a thing that anything above you that is more precious See, otherwise we, we don't, if we don't see that, everything becomes the Pharisee-like, ritualistic, legalistic, the duty-filled religious life. What Jesus wants is a rivers of living water flowing through us. Brothers and sisters, as we are ushered into the new year to 2020 and the new decade, this is the call of Jesus, spirit prompting to our church. Open our eyes to see the worth, the tremendous supreme worth of Jesus in our lives. That He is greater than our problem. That He is surpassing through all our limitations and shortcomings. Yes, He compels us and demands us as no human being can demand our surrender, our submission to His Lordship, to make Him center. When we see this worth of Jesus, our Christian life is radically revolutionized. In light of that, there are two passages like I'd like to share. First one comes from Matthew 10, verse 34 to 35. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Obviously, let's not be simplistic and get misunderstanding this Simple passage. What Jesus is not saying, I'm going to be problem for you, all your conflicts. What Jesus came with love and message of reconciliation, the way of the cross, and obviously not. What this is, is because the worth of Jesus is so supreme that it will cause any type of priority on people's mind that he will come above that. So if you put Jesus before your father, obviously there could be a major conflict. And in the third world country, there's a still persecution. When you become a Christian, that's equals to being disowned by your family because of precisely because of this reasons. But why is that? With tears and broken heart, they will say, I will follow Jesus. No turning back. 
Do not come before me. Follow with me. I will follow. The world is behind me. The cross before me. Here's the second passage. John 15, 18 through 20. Jesus' words. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have, they kept my word, they will also keep yours. This is a stern warning for, for us who are living in this free country. I'm glad there's a religious freedom, at least externally. But even among the Christian churches, even in Orange County, even in America, if we truly follow this this Christ, this Jesus, this real Jesus wholeheartedly, there will be a suffering. There will be a problem. For example, when your company is going through these the ethical problem, when you stand up for justice, when you see racial problems in our society and discrimination, when you see the neglect of the poor and marginalized, to be radically different was asking for problem, suffering. Or even even in just very nonchalant, very casual conversations, if you name the name of Jesus, it's the conversation stopper. Jesus Christ is a curse word in our days, isn't it? Our attention ought to be not because we are commanded to go through this persecution or suffering. But our attention ought to be the worth of Jesus, the real Jesus, the uniqueness of Jesus that compels us. And as I was thinking about this, just a few days ago, December 29th and 23rd, 30th of last month, there was a report on Pastor Wang Yi in China. Some of you remember that watching the video in our service last year, the Chinese churches, are, underground churches, are being persecuted, persecuted very severely. And Pastor Wang Yi did not compromise his faith nor his church. So as he was going through this litigation process, he foresaw 
that he will be arrested. And then December 20, the last year, he wrote this uh, open letter called My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience. He was sentenced December 9th, and last month, nine years to prison. <clears throat> In light of this, this is a sad reality, but real reality for us to pay attention. I am not sharing this to scare you or to think that we have somehow need to be prepared for this kind of persecution. I am sharing this in light of the worth of Jesus that we saw in uniqueness of Jesus in today's text. Pastor Wang Yi writes, Those who lock up, lock me up will one day be locked up by angels. Those who interrogate me will finally be questioned and judged by Christ. When I think of this, the Lord fills me with a natural compassion and grief toward those who are attempting to and actively imprisoning me. Pray that the Lord would use me, that he would grant me, my, grant me patience and wisdom, that I might take the gospel to them. Separate me from my wife and children, Ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of, capable of doing all these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. And no one can raise me from the dead. Jesus is the Christ, Son of the eternal living God. He lived for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my King, the King of the whole earth, yesterday, today, and forever. I am His servant, and I am imprisoned because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God. And I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. This is such a powerful word. But let's not forget, this didn't happen several decades ago or during Middle Age. This happened just last month. And it is happening right now. But do you see his faith is sustained by his love for Jesus? And that's my prayer for each one of us. And our youth, especially you, May this year be the year that you fall in love with Jesus, the real Jesus, who is not manageable, who will transform you. And all of us adults, 
And as we follow compelling Jesus, may we be impacted by His supreme worth. So why not take risks in our life? And I'm sure we will hear more about Yucatan from the team, the report night. But Marcus and I saw the work of God in such a powerful way. It changed us. There's little thing that we could do for them. But the call of Jesus is real. Compelling Jesus. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you rivers of living water and true satisfaction this coming year, this year and this decade. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the answer to true satisfaction, to our ultimate need to redeem us from our sins that blocks the blessings and the true happiness from God. We do pray not only for each one of us here in this room, but every home church worship service, the members of Crossway family will be touched by your spirit. May your uniqueness compel us, transform us in this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.